Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are excited tonight, as usual, but we're even worse. Make up. Yeah, we're even more excited tonight because we have a packed show with a bunch of race car drivers, starting with the winner of the IndyCar Iowa 300, the 17-second lap I Iowa thought it was the Iowa 1000. <laughs> That's <laughs> not, what it felt not, like. Not, yeah. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, we just did a pre-record with him about 30 minutes ago, and we're so excited because... He talks all about the race and uh, the championship lead. We should set it up because a lot of people might not have seen that race because it was late at that's night. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we should set it up. But also, the, we, we mentioned the new Corvette, and we just kind of sat back for the next five or six minutes because <laughs> he is so excited, and we have his take about the new Corvette, and we're going to play both of those clips we're going to play the the uh, the racing part in this first segment and the Corvette part later in the show. But yeah, once you set up the the actual race, Jonathan, because it was late at night last night. And don't forget, we've got a, a bunch of F three. Oh about. yeah, sorry, we, we've got <laughs> we've got a pack. I know show. you're excited about the Corvette. I know. Does it show? All right, so we have USF three driver James Rowe coming on here in about fifteen minutes. We have USF three driver Parker Locke. It's a big weekend for Irishmen. Yes, and we also have FIA Formula driver Liam Lawson. We have several clips from him. He's not going to be with us live. The other two American F3 drivers are going to be on here in just a minute. So we've got a packed show, and but we want to get to this uh, Joseph Newgarden interview. So Jonathan, set up the race for us. Well, it was an incredible night. Uh, it was supposed to finish in the twilight, or it was supposed to start at about 5.30 central time. Um, it did not because of rain. Um, it rained for almost an hour, and finally they got... Eh, the first almost third in, it rained again. They stopped again. And in fact, there was hardly any cautions before that. Um, but it was a stop, go, stop, go. Um, then, of course, the temperature came down and it's been hot as all. Uh, hot as ha- hotter in Hades, as you say here in Texas. But it was really hot. But then, of course, as the evening went down and it got later and later and the rain came, it cooled down. So all the car setup went out the window from the days before. So... Out of all of this, out of this maelstrom, came Newgarten, who missed out on the pole, was very annoyed about the fact, had to give the way, yeah. pole position to uh, Pagano, his teammate. And of course, the championship's on the line. They started the evening four points apart, him and Rossi. Rossi didn't have a good night, um, got some decent points, but it was definitely over 200 miles led, a brilliant night for Joseph Newgarten. All right, well, let's go ahead and play this interview with Joseph Newgarten right now. All right, Gearheads, we're so excited because we have the winner of the Iowa 300 on the phone, Joseph Newgarden. Welcome back to Speed City. Hey, great to be back. How are you guys? Uh, we are awesome. And staying up last night, how awesome was that? That was fantastic night racing. Uh, it was it was great. You know, I think for me, I was I was glad we got it in. Um, you know, we weren't sure there was a little touch and go with the weather. I mean, it was <laughs> we basically had a monsoon 
roll through town, uh, you know, in the middle of Central America. So it was quite a bizarre looking scene for a little bit. But, uh, you know, it, it dried up. I, I was nervous it wasn't going to dry up because, you know, you know, you can you can dry the surface of that track. But um, there's there's quite a bit of weepers that that end up biting you around that place for a prolonged period of times. And, and you just can't seem to fully solve them. So uh, they, they you know, they seem to fix everything. The track did a great job. IndyCar did what they could. And and uh, I was glad we got the show in late at night. You know, it's tough on the fans and it's tough on everyone involved. But, you know, to, to stay there and get a true night race out of it, I was actually quite happy about it. I loved it. I thought it was cool because, you know, the kids were to bed and you're, you know, everything was it was just I could focus. The wife was asleep. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't complaining either. I thought it was, you know, I, I had a blast. I, I like that type of race. And. And, you know, we really, unfortunately, we weren't going to have a night race. If it didn't rain, it was still going to be during, you know, the daytime hours. The sun doesn't really set around there until 830. So I was kind of selfishly happy that we got a full night race and, and we got it under the lights. Yeah, the other thing is, Joseph, um, given your post-qualifying interview, which I think scared the NBC guys, they're so used to your affable nature that you, you seem like you were real had you know, you weren't very happy because uh, you didn't get the poll, but it just kept you in that tempo. It kept you in that determined, right then, I'm going out to do this. And, and the way that, you know, over 200 laps led, it looked like you were in that mood to say, right, I want to get this deal done. Well, I, you know, I was, I was really upset on Friday just cause, you know, I, I don't normally outwardly express it so much. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's tough in this sport cause you got to gather yourself quite quickly. You know, you get a microphone put in your face and, you know, a minute, two minutes at literally after you just performed or tried to perform. So it, um, it's, it's rare. I mean, I, I always try and be polite, but I was really <laughs> frustrated yesterday and, uh, you know, it was, it was more so for the fact that, you know, we, we had the pole winning car. I know we did. And we just we just kind of messed it up. We didn't get it right. And it was it was no one's fault. It just uh, it was one of those deals where you just didn't you didn't make it happen when you needed to. And and um, so I just was focused on, on going racing that I just wanted to go and win the race because I knew we could do that. And, um, yeah, but, you know, once once you got into second practice after that qualifying, I was just I was ready to work in the car and and, uh, and go racing, like I said. All right, well, so you're now you've in, you've increased the gap in the points lead because you know lately it's been yeah it's a big it's a bigger number now and and I've been lately it's been a lot of Alexander Rossi he's been dominant and Simon Pagino and coming to this weekend I thought well I wonder how you know if New Garden's going to react and man you just knocked it out of the park dominated what over 200 laps of the race led but. Um, but what about – got to talk to you about the intensity of this track. You came out of the car and were doing the interview last night and going, you were dizzy. Man, this thing is intense, I guess. It, it's it, – they are intense. You know, these, these oval tracks, uh, specifically the short ovals, if you do that many laps in a row, um, you know, you're in the car there for an hour and a half, two hours, and, and you just it, – it takes a lot out of you. You know, you're, you're just sustaining four-plus Gs, you know, five Gs in the corner and – and it's similar to Texas in a lot of respects. Um, you get kind of the same effect there. But Iowa's probably just a t- touch more because it, it really is almost like a true constant corner. You know, you, you never really stop cornering on that on that place. And it's 17 seconds that, that it takes to do a lap. So, you know, just that constant loading, I mean, it just wears you out. And so the first time you actually, you know, stand up out of the car, your body has to adjust and, and kind of come back down to earth, if you will. So uh it's yeah it's intense it's physical it was less physical at night because we didn't have the heat to deal with it was really tough the day before when it was 
yeah. you know, like 110 for the heat index. And, and you were just overheating at that point, plus adding the physical side to it. So it, it made it a lot easier, but it's, it's always tough running 300 laps around there. Well, what about the temperature? We had such a dramatic temperature drop. It was hot all weekend and then racing at, you know, midnight. I mean, how did that affect the car? Was it, was there anything that was a big surprise? Well, you know, you always, you always kind of cautiously, um, you know, you're, you're just cautiously waiting to see how your car is when you go into that situation, because, you know, for us, we, we knew our car was good in the heat. Um, we were expecting the race in the heat. And so we kind of knew what we had. Uh, and then, you know, when it cooled off as dramatically as it did, I mean, you're talking probably a, a 45 degree track temp swing. I mean, that's how much it was, you know, reduced from, from the heat of the day. And that's, that's pretty significant. I believe the ambient temp was down about 20 degrees as well. So, um, you know, it's a big shift in, in, in just the car's performance. And the biggest thing you got to do is kind of adjust ride heights and gear ratios. Um, we've had producing a couple hundred more pounds of downforce just from the air temperature and track temp. And then the, the engine is more efficient too in, in those conditions. So you're going to be going a bit quicker. So you got to, you know, give, give yourself a little bit more gear. Uh, to try and, you know, get the top speed that you need. Um, but then from the handling side, you know, you've worked all day on Friday in the heat trying to make the car do what it needs to do. But then when it, you know, when it cools off, the balance shifts and, and you don't know what you're going to get. But I felt confident we were still going to have a good car. And then, like I said, you just kind of wait for that first step to see where you're at. And, you know, luckily you get through it and you go, wow, our car's pretty good still. And it's it's about what I expected. So you just keep working on it and then, you know, trying to seal the deal for the rest of it. Uh, more power, more downforce. Sounds like more fun to me, man. I, I mean, I thought it made a better show. Um, you know, it packs everyone up a little bit more. You still get strung out there because it's it's higher, high tire deck, which is, you know, by design. Firestone brings a brings a great tire that, you know, we, we as teams, we have to get the most out of engineering wise. And that's the challenge of the series. And, you know, it's why we show up every weekend is to kind of solve the puzzle. But um, yeah, at nighttime, you know, you run a little bit closer and uh, I thought the action was great. The side by side stuff is, you know, probably the best you're going to get at, uh, at, is at Iowa. I mean, I, there's no other short track in the planet that I know of where you really run side by side like that. You just, you have multiple lanes. Um, it's just really great racing. And as a race car driver, it's fun because you have that, you kind of have that movability where you can, you know, place your car where you want it instead of being, you know, stuck to this one line that we get at, at some other tracks. And, you know, it's the nature sometimes when it's a one, one group track, but when you get a place like Iowa, it's just, it's really, really fun to race for 300 laps there. Joseph, obviously, these are the nights you look back and go, you know, maybe when you get to Laguna, wow, Iowa was so important. I mean, with five to go now, how do you feel? You've got a little bit of a gap, but you you know, with Dixie scoring again, well, from nowhere, uh, Rossi's going to be a factor. How are these next few races for you in terms of uh, previous years? Well, you know, I this I, I I talk about it the way I've always you know, talked about the championship, it, it, they, they all matter, you know, these, every single race, you know, St. Pete matters, you know, you have a bad race at St. Pete, it just, it adds to the bucket and the way this championship works, that bucket, you know, fills up all year. And, and, uh, you know, at, at the end of the year, it's going to be, you know, filled as high as it's going to be. Um, it, it just, what changes is it gets, it gets intensified and it gets uh, magnified as you get to the, to the, final stretch here when it's five races to go four races to go whatever whatever it gets down to you know then people really start looking at it critically but it's it's you know it's a championship where 
you know, if you build up a bunch of credit at the beginning of the year, you've got a little bit more leeway at the end and, and vice versa. If you didn't build up that credit, like, you know, Dixon didn't build up as much this year, then he doesn't have that towards the end of the year. So for him, there's a bit more pressure, um, to, you know, to get every race right. So, yeah, I, I just, I, I guess why I'm saying that is because every race matters in the championship and, and that you, our approach is we focus on each race individually and, if you get the most out of your car and you have good race cars each weekend and, and you're maximizing your potential, then I think these things like the championship and the point system, that it ends up working itself out however it's going to be, whether it's going to be good or bad. Man, that race last night, I mean, that racing, it was, nuts. It, it was so great at night. And what about the what, hour and a half of pre-show? Got to say something because we're about to have a young driver on, but Santino Ferrucci. Wow. And how yeah. about all the rookies in Indy this year? I know. I know. It's Fantastic. been great. All right. Well, we got to take a break because when we come back, we're going to have an F3 driver, James Rowe, on with us. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Thank you, Magnus Walker. Yes, it's true. Austin is weird. Absolutely. It's not just a I feel slogan. home so much at home here. <laughs> no wonder you had to come from London. They kicked you out and said you belong in Austin. Don't tell anybody else. They'll all be here. All right. Well, we're going to go right back to it because we have an F3 America's driver on the phone. Very excited to have James Rowe. James, welcome to Speed City. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, not at great. all. Great. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. No problem. This is exciting. This is exciting. Well, I tell you what, it's an exciting day for Irish sport, I would say, wouldn't you? I don't know if you follow yeah. golf, but my word. O'Shea, O'Shea, no, O'Shea, O'Shea. <laughs> the boy did good. You know, yeah, for sure. My uh, my my Twitter feed was um was full of golf today, obviously <laughs> following the Irish feeds and um yeah, having having Shane Lowry win that uh win that huge tournament back home on Irish soil and uh, really being his first First big one is, is is really impressive for um for for Irish sport today, yeah. Yeah, really cool. Irish eyes are smiling, no question about it. Now, listen, James, we've got you on the show because we love to talk about young drivers, and we just thought we'd give you a, a little intro there with Joseph Newgarten. So you follow. It's not often you get to follow Joseph Newgarten. So there you go. Um, no, you know <laughs> when I was on a, when I was just about to come on, and I just looked at your Twitter feed and said, "Oh, being joined by Joseph Newgarten too," I was like. Oh. oh, gee, this uh, this show is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't expect it because we didn't get him last night at one. We usually get the indie winner, but usually it's a Sunday night. And so, you know, we're expecting them sort of an hour after the race. But, of course, it finished at yeah. one in the morning. Anyway, he was I very know. graceful uh, and decided to come on and talk to us. So we were very excited. He was gracious as well as graceful. Graceful and gracious. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Gracie? Anyway, James, we're glad you got you. So I will be with you next weekend doing the commentary on your race. I'm very excited about that. Um, but tell us about your season. Currently fourth in the championship for Global Racing Group. Um, like me, what on earth are you doing in America? <laughs> um, yeah, basically, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting story. So um, not to dwell on it. For too long, my uncle Michael Rowe um, was a professional driver out here in the U.S. back in the early '80s and '90s. He was Canam champion in '84 and um, was the works uh, Van Diemen 1600 driver when they came here initially. Cool. Um, in the early '80s, and then done some sports car stuff and so on. So I started off racing quite late when I was 15 years old in, in Ireland for various reasons. Didn't do any go karting, straight to cars, 
Um, and I got to a stage, went through a series in Ireland called Geneta Junior Ireland, and uh, that went well. Then went to 1600, actually with, with Ralph Furman, who, who ran my oh, uncle yeah. um, back in the day, and uh, done 1600 with him. And again, things went well. We had wins and lap records and stuff, and I got to a bit of a crossroads. Budget wasn't huge, and we said, well, where do we go? And America was, was good to him, and um, at the time... I was going down the road to Indy route um, and I didn't have budget for it, but got introduced to Arms Up Motorsport who were in the F2000 series at, at the time, the regional one. They were looking for um, a guy to come over and run run for the year and uh, got got looked after by, by the guys there, Greg and Brent Borland, and um, that's what got me over here. And then one thing led to another and I started getting some opportunities and uh, things were working out. And then... Through this year into Global Racing Group came really um, through Max Crawford and Christian Pedersen. I mean, for, for, for both those guys, um, I don't think I would have been in F3. So I was chatting to Max and told him what was going on and what I was trying to do uh, from Ligier and um, told him what sponsors I had and what I had on board. And he said, look, I'll introduce you to Christian. Got speaking to Christian Pedersen from Global and uh, Christian said hey you caught me at the right time we're just after announcing a scholarship system for um a european driver uh send me over your stuff and we'll uh we'll suss you out as they say and um one thing led to another and i was fortunate enough to get the phone call for him and say through the scholarship there's a place in the team and what i have will be uh we'll be making it work for the year in f3 americas and this all really only happened four weeks before the season started <laughs> wow in March, so uh, it was it was exciting. So yeah, in, in a in a very quick run, run through, that's kind of how I ended up over here. Well, James, you know you've got you were in doing successful in the F two thousand with what three wins, and and now you've got this opportunity to be in um, F three. I, I mean, I know it's a, a a step up in car and horsepower and mm-hmm. downforce and all that. But it, how do you make that decision? I mean, I know you just explained a lot of that, but it's got to be a little bit, you know, the the road to Indy, the path to Indy is very clear. Mm. But you've got this yeah. F3, which could still take you to Indy, but it could take you to other places. Potentially FIA points. Yeah, yeah and super license yeah. points. So yeah, how, talk about that. Um, well, really what, what it was, was um, ch- chatting, chatting with Max and always was interested in F4 and F3 because... I noticed how big Honda was getting um, involved with both championships, and they're really starting to push it. And of course, um, Mazda pulled out of the road to Indy, and I just said, "Look, there's, there's a ma- major manufacturer here that's in every line of motorsport around the world, um, put, putting a lot of effort into promoting two championships here in the U.S. I have a relationship with the manufacturer of the car, actually, um, Max Crawford." first came to America um, in 84 and worked on my uncle's Canam team um, as the bodywork guy, um, creating all the molds for a Canam car. And now, cool. now he's making the Ligier car. So the wheels on the full torque on that end. So um, got chatting to him and he just said, look, I think you should be looking at it. There, there's there's two manufacturers, Honda and Ligier, and Ligier are involved in F4 and F3, but they're also involved in sports cars. So you're... If, if things work out and you have a good name for yourself in around the Ligier family, you never know what doors may open in sports cars. As I said, Honda were getting big and it just made, it just made sense that the series 
puts a lot of effort into its drivers and making sure they they get publicity and they're speaking to the right people and and just putting us out there. So just for a number of reasons, um, it it, it made sense. And then obviously, of course, going with Global Racing Group, they're the most successful team in the F3 series. I know it's only been around for two years, in its second year now, but still. They um they're a really successful team and when I started speaking with Christian just straight away, I knew he's a he's not um he's not a small talker he, he he means business there's a lot of things that 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 he does for me and Global Race and Group Two for me to to further my career and as I say introduce me to the right people because it's such a big part as you guys know in in making sure you're speaking with the right people and getting to know the right contacts for further down the road. What do you think of the competition? We've got Parker coming on later. He's one of them, and he's a good old Texas boy. Um, he's just behind mm-hmm. you in the championship. We've had uh, Baltazar on the show. We've had Jacob recently, Jacob Abel and Dakota Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we know what Dakota's achieved, and Jacob, you know, mm-hmm. you can see from the record. But just looking ahead, we've got VIR, Road America, Sebring. These are all very mm-hmm. different circuits. I mean, you know, you, you haven't, you know pull up too many trees in terms of winning, but you've done consistently good stuff to keep you in the hunt. Um, so what do you feel about the, the, you know, both the competition and the races to come? Yeah, well, um, being honest with you, um, the competition I think is, is good. You know, there, there, there's, there's good guys there. It's, it's actually the first time, and I only spoke to someone about this re- recently. Uh, my roommate is uh, Victor Fanzoni, the, Yep. The uh, ex-Indy Lights driver last year at Mazda, and I was chatting with him recently, I said, you know, it's the first time that I haven't won any races at this point of a season in any series that I, I ever raced in from, from the from the day that I started. And so, yes, it's tough, but I said, it's also, when you look at it, the first time that I'm competing against guys who every morning when they wake up before they step foot out of the bed, motor racing is on their mind, you know? Mm. So obviously, when you get to this level and the higher you go up, the, there's going to be better and better guys and winning and winning is harder and harder so you have to up your game so it's been unfortunate I haven't won, won any races yet but I've been working really really hard on my driving I feel as if I'm driving the best I ever have and that's that's good you know yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up in my game every weekend if you look at the results and, and the pace pace gap it's been getting closer and closer and closer and that's just through through hard work and, and focusing on the right areas and with this car, um, set, setting setting it up is, is quite difficult. The things that I've driven before, it's it's over nearly fifteen hundred pounds with driver in it, so it's quite heavy. Um, and obviously, the heavier you go, the harder it is to, to set a car up. And it's the first time that I've driven a car with so much grip and so much power. So mistakes are highlighted. You know, in the in the cars I've driven before, a lot lighter, a lot less power, a lot less grip. So. If you do overshoot your brakes and if you do arrive to a corner a little quick, you go sideways, you don't really scrub that much speed. You can gather it up and get out, out of there. But with these hand-cooked tires and with the grip of the Legi F3, it just grips up immediately. So all that momentum's lost. So there's there's a lot of a lot of little things that I, that I would never have thought about, really, um, that, that I'm having to adapt to. And um, driving a turbo-powered car has simple as it may sound just making sure you're constantly in the right power band and and where you're lifting it's not too soon or too late so when you get back on it you're you're not minded the band all this kind of stuff it has been interesting and looking for them yeah it's going to be good obviously going to vior this coming weekend which is good i won there last year in the f2000 so at least i've uh, a win there and uh i know the know the track and uh 
Sebring, Road America both amazing tracks, never actually mm. um race at either. Um done one test day last year, the F two thousand at Road America with uh Aaron Tielitz and uh it went well, so I'm excited for there. Um it's a really really old school track and uh, a lot of history, so it's exciting. Sebring not sure what to think of yeah. Sebring. I, I haven't been there. Put your mascot um, in, you'll need the bumps. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of stories about bumps and um, making sure your your damper package is right. So it's going to be interesting. Obviously, the the F3 actually, believe it or not, VIR, Road America, and Sebring. This F3 car has never been to any of the tracks yeah, yeah. we're going to right now. So it's going to be it's going to be exciting. So none of the teams have data or none of the engineers that have run the cars there. So yeah, it's it's um, actually I only realised that now. <laughs> uh, it's going to be um, it's going to be exciting to see how the rest of it pans out and. I'm fortunate to be in a team with, with, with four cars and both Balta, Zara and Dakota, as you mentioned, um, are, are strong front runners and to have them under the same awning as me has, has been beneficial. Dakota is quick in anything that he's gotten in over here in the US. Um, so that's that's been my benchmark so far this year, I'm not going to lie. And um, it's funny, there there's there's certain areas I won't get into them where where, he, where he's stronger than me, and it's it's what I'm working on. Like uh, at Pittsburgh, it was basically just three corners that had required one style that that he was a uh, he was very strong on, and the re- remainder of the lap we were bang on, and the Delta my best lap of the weekend versus his best lap was bang on. So it just and just to translate, bang on is really good because <laughs> you know yeah. these Americans don't speak our language, and bang on is that's that's at the crackers ninety. Uh, well, we're listening to, to <laughs> James ninety, and he's bang on. <laughs> we're listening to James Rowe. He's racing in the Formula Three America series. But James, uh, you know you got to be excited about all these tracks. But are you going to come and race here in Austin at Circuit of the Americas? Um, there's rumors. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't been I haven't been told anything official yet, so uh, I'm not going to be the one that's going to let the cat out of the bag. But uh, there's certainly um, talks about it. It would be amazing to to, to go there. Obviously, um, such a such an amazing track and uh, to race at current F1 facility would be would be awesome. And I have a, a sponsor base out of Texas, Vortex Companies. Um, so to to race there uh, for them would be would be amazing too. So. Let's wait and see 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 what happens. But certainly, um, if it's gone there, I'll be there. All right. Well, hey, we got to take a break. But you know what, James? I want you to stay on the on the phone with us because if you got time, because we got Parker Locke yeah. coming on, I want you guys to you got one of your rivals on. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do a little competition <laughs> on the air too. So, all right, we're well, listening to Speed City. We're in Austin, Texas, and back after these messages. Hi, this is Jay Leno from JayLeno'sGarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. I watched Jay Leno this weekend do the live Corvette C8. Was only Jay Leno can say Speed City the way to hear it. <laughs> All right, well, welcome back to the show. We're excited because we've got James Rowe. He's a F- US F3 driver on the phone, but we also are going to get his buddy 
Mr. Parker Locke, who's also a competitor on the show. We'll welcome him first. Parker, welcome back to Speed City. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, we appreciate it. I said welcome back. Have you been on the show before? Yeah, he's I been. thought he had, yeah. Yeah. He's been on with, when he was down in New Zealand because he was That's in right. the TRS yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, the Toyota Racing Series. That's right. So where are you, mate? Uh, are you at home and, or are you flying yeah. around? Yeah, I'm home. I just got home. You need you need to come and join us here in the studio. It's not that far. Yeah, awesome, right? Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, listen, we, we've got J- James Rowe on the line as well, but I want to talk quickly about your season, uh, getting a podium. Uh, I was there for it in Road Atlanta. Big, big, um, I guess, a, not weight off your back, but it's always good to get on that first podium, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was really good for the team. It was uh, the first podium for Velocity Racing Development, and uh, it was the second weekend, so it was good to get that, uh, that first podium early on in the season. Uh, we had a bit of a rough time in uh, Pittsburgh, but I think we'll do pretty well this next coming weekend in Virginia. We talked uh, at Pittsburgh, and, and obviously we hadn't really caught up properly since TRS back in New Zealand. And the biggest thing you said to me was that the learning curve that you've had literally since January to now July, which is only six months, and I'm sure it's gone by like a whirlwind, um, but yeah. you're learning all the time, and that that's really all you can ask for, isn't it? Right, yeah. Being in the car as much as we did in New Zealand, it was crazy how much I learned. Uh, and then continuing on back here in F3, it's just been great. Well, uh, let, let me go more specific and say to both of you, so what specifically, and I know the answer to this with Parker, but I'd like to hear it again, specifically have you kind of dialed in or worked on? And I know that uh, being up to speed and, and, and sort of getting on the pace early on has been a big factor for you, and you've done that now. And the same to you, James. What, what have you learned this year? Um, really, for me, you know, the, the, the biggest thing, um, drive, driving this car with, with how much downforce it produces and, and the size of the tyre compared to what I'm used to and um, being on a radial is two things, really. A, Getting used to a radial tire, obviously the feel that it gives the driver um, is quite different yeah. than what I'm used to. So it, if it doesn't give you any sort of sign before it breaks, it just goes. So you got to get to that trust factor of finding out where the limit of the tire is quite quickly. And then trusting the downforce of the car that getting off the brakes at this point and carrying that much entry speed, the car is going to stick. Like I went to Barber Motorsports Park for, for round one and... Um, Barbara, as you know, is a lot of high-speed stuff, fourth, fifth gear, flowing corners, all about keeping your minimum speed up. And uh, <laughs> let's say the first session around there was a baptism of fire. I came back in and um, <clears throat> I was only after doing two days in the car, still still getting getting used to everything. And uh, just I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe how, how, much, how much grip the car produced the faster mm. and faster we went. I never experienced anything like that. So being honest, so far this season, that's what it's been all about, is, is the high-speed stuff, trusting that both the car and the tyre, that it's going to work. And um, uh, slow stuff, second, third gear stuff, anyone can, can, can make that work. That's easy. <laughs> you muscle through it, but it's, it's, it's the trust factor that's been, a, been getting me. But that's, that's just down to seat time. And over time, you just keep chipping and chipping and chipping away. And um, then you, 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 you get to that point where... You, you believe in the car and, and you, you nearly create a bond, you know. Mm. You, you say, all right, I, I know this thing is going to stick and then you just make that jump and once you feel it once, um, 
you know what it feels like you'll be able to do it week in week out so yeah that, that's the biggest thing really for me and Parker what about yourself yeah well definitely the downfall is knowing when and how far you can push it and really trusting it uh, that's a huge thing with these cars but uh, over in New Zealand probably the biggest thing that I really had to learn was and something I struggled on was getting right up to pace first first couple laps you just gotta push it to the push it to the limit as quickly as possible to figure out to find the limit and um that's something i've been working on and i've improved on each weekend and just continue improving on yeah hey i gotta ask both of you guys this let me start with you parker but you know we we hear so much about downforce and now that you're in an f3 car it's got a, a good amount of downforce you know in formula one the whole every all discussion is all about how do we make it more competitive because the, the aerodynamics are so crazy around passing and you know in indycar we saw it last saw it on ovals yeah yeah we saw it on ovals but talk about downforce and dealing with that as you move up through your career uh yeah it certainly uh, gets more advanced and more more of a something to deal with as you the higher you go up because obviously it gets more and more downforce the higher you go up uh but it's just something you gotta learn to to work with to deal with um on like how to how to push yourself to really use its full potential um and yeah all right james what about you um for me yeah for me certainly as parker touched on find a limit is is important but um uh racing racing for me with downforce was, was the thing that uh i had to learn about um coming from f3000 there's very very little aero wash in the cars um and the year before that it's an ff 1600 so there's no no aero at all so um this year just getting used to to when to the feeling that you get when you're underneath um another car's gearbox in the middle of a race and that you're going to lose lose the majority of your front wing efficiency um was something that I had to adapt to, and um, <laughs> quickly. And Barbara, at around one, the last race, um, ended up getting my front ring taken off um, through uh, through a bit of contact in, in race through the weekend. And I, I was on lap two, and I raced the whole race um, without a front wing. And boy, geez, I, I realized how much they work uh, when I done the, the remaining of the race with uh, with no front wing. Uh, how efficient they were so yeah to, to answer your question it's just dealing 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 with it in a race scenario knowing how to how to to load your car and load your tires up when you don't have all that um air coming on your on your wing and then going forward you, you asked about how do you deal with that progressing it's i think it's it's important at this level when you when you make that first initial jump to really understand the fundamentals of driving um, an aero car and then as you as you go up i think once you once you understand the 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 fundamentals and the basics and why it does it does what it does when you're in certain scenarios um that it's not really any different you know you're as you go up your tire gets bigger and your downforce gets bigger so it equals out uh, you know what? I'm sitting here looking at, at Parker at your profile on F3 Americas, and it says racing hero Max Verstappen. And, yeah, and and uh, so you're yeah. just what 15 points behind your buddy on the phone here, James Rowe. 
Uh, are you know? And you, James, talked a little bit about little rubbing and stuff. So, are you afraid to? You going to talk smack now? Yeah, are you going to talk smack on the track <laughs> and put it you know, <laughs> some backs for stepping style? <laughs> yeah, uh, I certainly look up to Max. Uh, his driving style is very aggressive. He doesn't leave anything on the table. Um, really? Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> his his starts are pretty insane. He yeah. always gains a place. Uh, just his aggressive style of driving is really something. Uh, I'd like to learn more of, I guess, but yeah. Well, hey, Parker, I'm sitting here also seeing, I knew you were from San Antonio, but you grew up in New Braunfels at that local track. That's right down the road from Austin. I mean, this is awesome having someone yeah. from right here yeah. on the show. I mean, we've, we've got, we had Formula One drivers, IndyCar drivers, you name it, all up and down, but not very many people from right around here. Have you, uh, I mean, have you got to spend time on all the local tracks? Have you ever spent time on Coda? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've gone on Coda. Well, I actually don't get on Coda that much. Um, it's hard to get on just because it's such a, a big, big track, I guess. But isn't that um, what got you interested in the first place? You came along to your dad oh, with right. the, f- the first ever Formula yeah. One race. Yeah, yeah. So my dad got invited uh, with work to go uh, watch the F1 race, and I heard about it and found it pretty interesting. So I tried to go along with them, and I did. That was um, it. <laughs> and I just fell in love with it after that. That's right. I remember you saying that before. Yeah. Well, guys, if we're talking Formula One, I got to ask you the question, um, and this is for both of you. Whoever wants to answer, we'll get both of you. Um, has, has Vettel lost the plot? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I think so. You know, he, he's he, he's shown a lot of. Um, he, he just looks like a guy who's under a lot of pressure. I yeah, think yeah. There's, yep. there's a. It looks like it looks like someone who's um, who's been told, "Look, you better get your game together here, or, or this championship's going to be gone before we know it." And as the pressure has been cranked up, he seems to make more mistakes, and we see it's not the first time we've seen that with him. Um, so, yeah, he, he's always he's always been one of those guys that, let's say, when things aren't going his way, you know, things aren't far away from crumbling. Um, I remember back in the Red Bull days, yeah, you used to see that a little bit as well with Weber well, when they, uh, yeah, yeah, and Ricardo, yeah, when they start getting together. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He 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 does have the capability though of turning it around, as we've seen, and. Um, Ferrari certainly won't uh, won't give up. That's for sure. Maybe I'll put it different to you, Parker. Do you think Verstappen might be tempted to go to Ferrari if uh, if uh, Vettel did step aside? Uh, yeah, I definitely think uh, he would want to see in Ferrari. But that'd be really interesting to watch. I would love to see Max in a Ferrari. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, well, I man, think I think it'd be more interesting seeing uh, Leclerc and Verstappen alongside each other. That'd be a uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> I think we saw enough of that in Austria, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, that would be really good. That would be really bad for the team. It would be great for us to watch, but yeah, yeah that would be yeah, that would be amazing. Well, boys, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Um, I've got my F3 hat on. Um, may the best man win, but uh, any thoughts about uh, next weekend and VIR? You've already mentioned, uh, James, you've won there. Um, Parker, let's start with you. Yeah, um, I really look forward to it. Um, uh, I've raced her twice in F4, and it's kind of a track I really enjoyed. I love the elevation change. Uh, I think yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun in the F3 car, so we'll see how it goes. But we're certainly going to push hard and hopefully get better results than Pittsburgh and hopefully another podium. All right, James, let's hear what you got to say. we got about 30 seconds, though. Yeah, no, likewise. I'm looking forward to going back there. one there last year, so so that's uh, always nice coming back to a track that you've won out on. Just looking forward to figuring uh, figuring the place out in this F3 car and 
I think qualifying is going to be super important. It's not really actually not the easiest place to pass in the world if you're uh, against a guy on similar pace. So we'll focus on that and uh, let's see what happens after that. Simple as that. The key is to bring your whole family. That's what Parker does. <laughs> he brought the sisters, he brought his mum, yeah. he brought his dad. So we want the whole Irish clan to come. And, oh, and, and, no, we, we, I think we got to win the lotto first. And bring the oh, open yeah. winner. Bring the open winner. That'll be the luck of the Irish for you. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, yeah. hey, thank you both. Parker Lock, James Rowe, for coming on the show. Best of luck for the season, and we'll be keeping an eye on you, and we'll get you back on the show. Thanks for having thank me on, and see you next week. Thank All right, guys. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. All right, we're going to go to a break, but when we come back, we're going to hear the second half of our interview with Joseph Newgarden because he talks all about the new Chevrolet mid-engine Corvette Stingray, and I loved it. I got my Corvette shirt on tonight. I was about to say, we can't see it, but you are oh actually wearing a Corvette gosh, shirt. It's, it's awesome. you got to hear what Newgarden has to say about this. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin. Back after these messages. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Just like fire, burning up the way. Calculate the world up for just one day. Watch this man, it's gonna push a ray. No one can be just like me anywhere. Just like magic, I'll be flying free. I'm gonna disappear when they come from. This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. Before we go to the Joseph Newgarden clip about the new Chevrolet mid-engine Corvette that dominated my social timeline, dominated all of my YouTube videos, uh, we're going to we're going to talk about another race driver. Jonathan, talk about Liam Lawson a little bit. Well, he uh, raced against Parker Lock in New Zealand, and he's the current champion of the Toyota Racing Series, and he got his first podium last weekend. He's also a Red Bull junior driver, which is really probably the more interesting part because he's just 17. He's the youngest FIA F3 driver, got his first podium at Silverstone, therefore went on the podium that, that Hamilton was on later the de- in the day. Yeah. It's got a hell of a thrill. So there's a podcast out on our SoundCloud, um, but um, we can discuss the, the Silverstone thing or the Red, or the, just the Red Bull program. Well, let's, we've got a clip of him talking about the Red Bull program. Let's start with that. And uh, let's, this is Liam Lawson. Tell me about the Red Bull Junior program. What's that experience been like? Uh, there's a lot of things written from the outside, but we're not in it. We don't know. Um, tell us, tell us what it's what that experience has been like. Um, it's just really, obviously, been doing two championships this year. It's just really, really busy. So I don't. I imagine in the future I'll have a lot more time to do a lot of other activities, um, as most people will see. Um, the sort of, I guess, fun activities that, that Red Bull drivers do, but we just really haven't had the time to do that. So um, it's really just been racing and, and having, um, you know, the, the access to using the Red Bull factory when I need it. Um, and I live very close to it in Milton Keynes. So, um, yeah, basically being able to go to Red Bull all the time and use their gym, um, also having the, the simulator there as well is, is really, really cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I asked about Red Bull because, I, I, and, and this kind of brings up Toyota Racing Series. Both you and Lucas Hour are in the program. Lucas is flying high in Japan. Um, you've just got your first podium. Um, but the Red Bull program can be brutal. Dan Tictum knows that. He got dropped from it. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those, it's one of those, it's the right place to be, but it's a tough place to be, right? It is for sure. Um, and I think that's why 
it was quite a big decision being so young. I was we were basically deciding whether I was ready for it or not. Um, and I mean, I believe absolutely I am. And, um, and we are at the moment proving that. So that's, um, that's no problem, but it's, yeah, you really, it's not just about the driving. It is performance based, but not just on, on the driving things. Um, you know, they want somebody who's going to represent them, um, as a brand as well in, in Formula One. So you really have to be that, that full package. So there's a, there's a lot to work on. All right, guys. So Liam Lawson, Jonathan, just talk a little bit more about him. Yeah, I mean, he is the current TRS champion. He's 17 years of age, which is incredible, really. Um, he's fighting against fellow um, Kiwi, uh, Marcus Armstrong and Daruvala and several others. Um, and they're all guys who are basically now on the watch eye or the watchful eye of Formula One because they race at Budapest. So the next Formula One race we have, which is why it's relevant, um, he'll be racing that weekend and same for Monza and so on and so forth. So it's a big, big year for him. But more interestingly, and I've, as I said, on our SoundCloud, I've got the whole podcast up there. Um, he's looking at going back to TRS because it's now a potential that TRS can score super license points both winter and then go on to do the European Championship. So he's moving up now and will be very close if he keeps winning as he is um, to getting a, you know, a potential super license and also the chance to test an F1 car, which, given that he's in the Red Bull program, makes it interesting, <laughs> given that they just got... Um, rid of Dan Tictum and, and they've taken Pado. on that other Irishman from Texas. Do you like, <laughs> do you like the segue? Pato Ward. Pato Award. Award, yeah. Not not exactly Irish, but yeah. yeah. His name is. Patrizia. Oh, Patrizio Award. Well, it was fun having three, you know, different F3 drivers. And it's really interesting how you can uh, travel from the F3 Americas and the F3 other programs around the country to the F uh, FIA F3. Well, that's the big point of all of this is, yes, we've just talked to an international driver. We've just talked to two American drivers, but they can all race in the same car now because the halo car is the same around the world. All right, you know, we're going to talk Corvettes now. Okay. Because I have my Corvette shirt on, and that's why we're going to talk Corvettes tonight. But we're going to start by getting the IndyCar championship leader. The factory driver. The factory <laughs> Chevrolet driver, Joseph Newgarden, to talk about the Corvette. Let's hear the second half of our interview and hear that Corvette part. Before we let you go, Joseph, I got to ask you something. Last night, you said while you were being interviewed about talking about the new 2008 mid-engine Corvette. So I'm old, and I remember them talking about the mid-engine Corvette way, way back, and it's finally happened. A 495-horsepower, dual-clutch, eight-speed, mid-engine Corvette. Oh, my gosh, 60 grand? That seems unbelievable. I, I mean, you know, everyone probably thought I was having a sales pitch, but, like, <laughs> I truly – it was just a – you know, it was just like a genuine comment after the race because we've been – bugging the crap out of Chevy, uh, this, <laughs> this Corvette, trying, you know, we, we, we're Chevy drivers. Not even you could get a peek at early? <laughs> no, I mean, you assume, you, you assume they'll at least talk to you about it. And like, you know, everyone that you spoke to or everyone I spoke to at GM, they just, they didn't even acknowledge it. It was like, <laughs> it, it was like it didn't exist. And you're like, you gotta be kidding me. How can we not talk about this? So um, I was, I was really excited to see the launch. You know, I, I think everyone's been waiting a long time and, and, um, you know, I, I, had, I was texting with Jim Campbell and, uh, he sent yeah, me from the Chevrolet, link. Like, yeah. Yeah. He, I was, he sent me the link. He said, Hey, tonight's the night we're launching. And so I stayed up until like, you know, 10 PM I think <laughs> Friday night and I watched the launch and I, I, I opened up the builder online. Like as soon as they released the Corvette, 
you know, online builder. I, I already tried to build out my C8. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, I, I really think it's going to be an interesting, um, it, it, and I'm serious. Like no one's asking me to talk about this for Chevrolet. <laughs> this, this is on a personal side, but I, I can hear it. Really, I think they're really going to like open up the demographic with this car yes. because you know, the, there was the, the Corvette, you, you felt like either way about it. You were like, ah, I love Corvettes or like, I hate Corvettes. Yep. And, uh, the C8, I just think it's going to really draw a young generation. It still looks very Corvette. It still seems, you know, very Chevrolet, but it just, I don't know. It's just got a different appeal to it than they've ever had. And so I'm really excited about it. For sure, the bang for the buck is like, you know, typical GM. Like, you're going to get more performance than anyone for the money. But it's just a great you can hear. And I don't know where you can get a supercar like this for 60 grand, like you said. I, I, so It's crazy, it's yeah. I mean, I went to lunch with my son today, and he drives a, a little Porsche Boxster. And I, I said, well, what do you think? And he goes, well, yeah, it kind of looks like a little bit of like a Ferrari. And he was trying to do a little bashing because he's such a Porsche file now. I mean, he's only 21. So anyway, and he said, uh, I said, well, he goes, but my gosh, 60 grand for a mid-engine. He, you know, it, he, there's no denying it. But I mean, hey, it's insane. Well, what do you it, think about it, the look? I mean, I, I, it's hard to me to make a supercar that doesn't have some resemblance to some other car. But I think it absolutely looks like a Corvette and, and still unique. But, but what do you think? Uh, you know, I was I was pleasantly surprised how Corvette they still made it look like it to me. It looks like a Chevy and it, it yep. looks like, you know, the in the family of the Corvette. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to you're going to, you know, start with a blank um, blank canvas and you go, we need to make, you know, a, a really badass mid engine vehicle. You know, and these engineers, they put them through wind tunnels and they're going to make them as good as they can be. You know, there's there's only so many ways you can go. And so, of course, it's going to, you know, look somewhat like other mid-engine sports cars. It's not completely the same, but it's going to have some similar features, yep. um, which which is fine. That's just, look, we, we, know what, we know what works. We know what's efficient. Engineers know that. So it's going to sort of get pushed into the same realm. But um, I loved it. I thought it was a good-looking car. We, we were actually all talking about it last night while we were waiting for the rain delay. All the engineers, we were in the you know engineering office with all the drivers. And, and you know, there's there's engineers up there that they, they drive like you know, Audi RS4s, all sorts of stuff. And they're all like, man, we're going to buy these Corvettes because they're so they're so cheap for what you can get. Yeah. Like, it's just the value, the dollar for performance is just it's ridiculous what they provide. So it's, it's pretty exciting. I say you take it to Le Mans next year and take the engineers with you. <laughs> Dude, I'm with you. I've been begging them. I've been telling Chevrolet I want to. I want to be on this new program with them. Uh, well, Joseph, it sounds like you and I could probably go on for about another hour talking about the new Corvette. I have been researching. My YouTube feed only gives me C8 videos right now. So, that, and now a little IndyCar after last night, but still, it's really it's full. But Joseph, congratulations on the win last night, yeah. and thanks for your time today. And go bask in this for a little while longer, and then go get ready for the next race. All right, sounds good. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you later. Thanks, right, Joseph. Thanks, Joseph. That was absolutely not paid from Joseph Newgarden. <laughs> he was absolutely enthusiastic about I, the new it was what It was great watching you both geek out. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it is a fantastic car. Yeah, you know, my, my Corvette history goes back to I had a couple of the, the ZR1s in the 90s, the LT5, sure. you know, the, the dual overhead cam. 32 valve, which they've never they've never done that again. And there's rumors of one of those engines, a, a dual overhead cam engine, coming with the new C8 eventually. Magnus, how about of- this? Magnuson, Gavin, Pagano, Newgarten, 
Daytona 24 hours. Oh, man. Then on to Le Mans. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, oh, you know, talking about the new Corvette, there's rumors that they're going to make a hybrid version that they're, and, and the hybrid version may have, may approach a thousand horsepower a la as in Porsche 918. And they're or, making one for the colonial market. Oh, that's right. That's right. Joseph talked about the different I market. I drive one. They're making a right-hand drive model for the first time How bloody ever. civilized. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> so we could drive, I could drive one in New Zealand. Make, ah, that guy, that guy Campbell, call him up, tell him I'll drive one at, uh, at New Zealand. Brilliant! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Trouble is, I would probably cause mayhem. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, no! Oh, mayhem! <laughs> yeah, right so. Uh, you know, this is, this is really a big, big deal because, I don't know, it, you can argue that Corvette should have done this a long time ago. My son and I were talking, he goes, yeah, they should have done this all the way back in C5. Uh, but it, it is, no matter when they did it, it is... A, you know, this is a sea change. This is an epic change in Corvette's history. And, you know, we've had all all sorts of amazing performance levels. But, you know, I can't think, I can't help but think back to when the Chevrolet, may have been Campbell, who was driving the Chevrolet, opening the IndyCar race. Oh, man, I, and, was, I was there. And 750 horsepower and spun it into the wall. I was doing right? Trans Am that day. Yeah, so I'm thinking maybe a, a little more balanced mid-engine. And, and, the, and the Corvette guys said that. They said... He was one of the execs, what, yeah. Yeah, well, the, what they said was they've reached the limit of the rear-wheel drive platform. It's all they can do. Yeah. And so they've moved on to a mid-engine. Man, I could go on like this for another hour, well, but listen, we're out of time. Well, listen, before you do, I want to thank a uh, Amy Greenaway for uh, setting us up with those interviews tonight. She's a great gal, and I will see her next week and I want to encourage everybody to get on the F3 America site and USF4 site uh, and have a look at the youngsters we've got coming through we keep asking the question on Speed City when's the next big driver from America well guys this is the place to tune in we got them yeah also I want to thank uh, Kate for at IndyCar setting us up with Joseph Newgarden thanks yes. for Joseph Newgarden for coming on and also make sure you check us out every week in that there's a Formula One race we do a national radio show before and after the BBC so go to our website speedcitybroadcast.com and check it out you can check out all of our content we have a SoundCloud account oh and don't forget Casey rocks yeah <laughs> Casey our producer and we're uh, we started a, t a, a test on YouTube worked pretty good tonight so check us out there too <laughs> <laughs> alright talk to you next week happy trails <laughs>